Hello, friends. This is Claire McCallan, and you are listening to Letters from the Least, a production of the Grexley Podcasting Network. It's written by me, Claire McCallan, produced by Kelsey Cronin, and edited by Laura Stone with music provided by A. Charles. To support this podcast and others like it, join us at patreon.com slash grexley. Love your dreams, work hard, stay focused. A lot can change in a year. I know this, but even if it doesn't, don't let that break it down. Your goals and your dreams is where the magic's found. Failure's something that we all must accept, because the only thing worse than death is regret. You dig? We are already on, look at that, episode nine. The topic today, as I promised something lighter, is storytelling. So, Not only are we going to share a couple of my favorite stories today, I also would like to provide you with some storytelling tips as much as I can via podcast. Um, I really, really do like talking about storytelling with my hands. It's going to be acted out a lot, but it's only so much we can do with, with what we have, and that's what we'll do today. So as per usual, we are going to start by just jumping on in with our first poem, and then we'll crack into the topic of storytelling, okay? Poem one, and this was written about my time serving with the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta during a a river trip we took on a weekend off. Sitting atop a mud-splattered jeep, we sped down the dirt road. Bump, Kate warned a moment too late. Bone met metal and the whole gang moaned and giggled at their freshly bruised tailbones. It was about eight o'clock at night we were traveling home to Calcutta after a weekend of exploration on the river. We had spent most of our trip sunning on the deck of our wooden ship and most of our nights huddled around a single headlamp, sharing stories and warmth. Occasionally, we would stop off at jungle reserves, crossing thin wooden planks to the safety of a friendly port. At every dock, we were greeted by a couple dozen suspicious smirks from the locals. The locals were, of course, just free-roaming monkeys. Agitated by tourists and the rising price of bananas, the monkeys hissed at our ankles in the economy. We hissed back. I smiled at these fresh-baked memories, still rising in the warm furnace of my memory. I felt deeply full, and just a little bit hungry for more. As we rattled down the road, we savored the last crumbs of our adventure. Inspired by the vitality of the moment, we decided to take turns sharing what we love about being alive. We had to shout in order to be heard over the engine, which was good, because the things we love about life deserve to be shouted from the roof of a speeding jungle jeep. I love learning! I love the way the grass smells when it's just rain. I love going to bed excited for tomorrow. I love chocolate chip cookies. Me too, me too, me too. The list went on and on. Finishing a good book. Having a crush. Drinking a cold beer, trying new things, we started laughing. Not because anything was funny, but because after a while of smiling the biggest you can, your cheeks can't hold in that much happiness anymore. They stretch, and they stretch, and they stretch, and then they give in, releasing a helium giggle from the birthday balloon inside. We quieted for a moment, listening to the jeep hum. It was a catchy little tune. So that is our opening story about my time in Calcutta, and I hope that it was able to provide you guys with some great mental visuals. Uh, I know for myself personally, as someone who was there reading it, it was just like being transported back into the moment. And 
that story to me, I'm so glad we opened with that one because that to me is all I can really ever ask from storytelling. It doesn't need to be this crazy, big, profound, twisting and turning story. I think there's something to be said for just telling moments of goodness. I think especially just with everything going on in our world right now, that is the storytelling that I know I personally am craving. It's just brief anecdotes of joy and peace and community. And even though it's communicating something so simple, I think each individual can internalize it as something larger and more life-giving and an invitation to really relish in the moments of goodness in their own life and seeing those tiny little interactions that can be so pedestrian or domestic as little adventures and little stories worth telling. I hope that everyone listening to this, no matter how simple or ordinary you find your own life the same way that I find mine, I, I hope you realize through our topic today of storytelling, how important that those small stories from your everyday life are and how worthy they are of being shared and even more than worthy, necessary. We need those stories glorifying the eternal in the domestic and the uh, the transcendental in the everyday. So for our second poem, um, we are going to do some more Calcutta storytelling, a little unexpected. I wasn't even planning this, but after that first poem, it really, really got me excited to share some Calcutta poetry and stories on the topic of storytelling. So um, yeah, we'll jump right into a night that I spent watching the sunset and the kites on the rooftop in Calcutta. I watched the sun slip between two tall buildings, reimagining it as a single golden rupee slipping through a laundromat coin slot. It fell into a place somewhere around the second floor, dropping with a satisfying clink. Delighted by my metaphor in motion, I smiled at the whirring and wishing of my washing machine sky. The wind shifted as my metaphor metabolized and miniaturized right before my eyes. Repackaged and readdressed, the sky suddenly filled with tiny postcards, riding the breeze and sliding into mailbox windows. I stood up. What in the world? Who was sending post messages into the sky? And at dinner time, no less. As my eyes adjusted, I realized that they weren't postcards at all, but in fact, dozens of kites. Their silhouettes danced to the beat of the beeping horns below, long legs trailing gracefully after wind-filled chests. Man, they seemed to love to fly. I focused on one impossibly high kite. As she began to climb a winding staircase of heavy cloud and weightless marble, giggling goodnight over her shoulder as she headed to bed, I lifted a hand to wave goodbye, but quickly found that same hand slapped against my mouth. My sweet, sleepy friend had taken a sharp turn towards the ground. Pulled by an invisible force, she plummeted. Strings, I cursed. I said it as the deepest profanity I could muster. To my horror, I watched as every other freedom-loving, height-soaring kite was tugged and torn by a string I couldn't even see. That's the damned thing about the strings that keep us from soaring. They're usually close to invisible. The kite continued to move in the horizon, but this time their motions seemed a little less playful. They seemed cynical and self-conscious. 
like they knew they could be dragged down with the single tug of the string around their ankle. I hurt for these kites. How sad that someone so beautiful and powerful could be restrained by something so simple and thin. Did the ordinary string really control the extraordinary kite? Or was the kite just sadly mistaken, mistaking her leash for a rudder? So that is our second story. Um, and and like our previous story, I guess um, it's meant to be both, both the literal story and a metaphor. I definitely was writing, um, you know, taking on both personas in that um, as the the watcher the viewer of the kites and also as the kite herself and I think that's what really great storytelling does you should be able to as you listen to these stories see yourself uh, in all the characters and if I'm doing my job right and if you my friend I'm assuming you are also creative if you're listening to this um, if you're doing your job right you're allowing your audience to see elements of themselves in every character and empathize because that's really how we get an emotionally complicated and thus realistic uh, story and how we can teach lessons. Uh, it doesn't work if we oversimplify it to the point where it's just maybe me and an inanimate object, or even if there were multiple characters, it's the good guys versus the bad guys. I mean, how boring, right? How about um, the confused guys versus the confused guys, right? I think that's more often what life actually is. So that is my second story for today. And while we continue on the vein of storytelling, um, I guess through the lens of my trip to India, that was not what I planned to do at all, but it's exactly what I want to do today. And you know what? It's my podcast, so that's what we're going to do. Um, we are going to go next into a story about my favorite little girl that I worked with in Calcutta. So for context, I was volunteering with the Missionaries of Charity in Calcutta, Mother Teresa's order. She established seven homes for the poor, the sick and dying, the orphans, the severely disabled in Calcutta. And I got to work, I had the privilege of working in a home called Shantidan, which is a home for severely disabled young women. And one of my favorite young ladies, uh, Kuthmani, was uh, wheelchair bound, but that didn't really stop our adventures. And so we, I think together, though we couldn't communicate um, for language barrier reasons, I think we were able to experience storytelling uh, in the moment through the power of play and imagination. That is what the story is. So we're going to have a little bit of an inception because it's a story about storytelling, okay? So poem three. How far do you think we'll go before they notice we're gone? I whispered my escape plan through Kuthmani's curls and into her open mind. I stood up and pulled back to gauge her reaction. A conspiratorial smirk, followed by a rush of gurgling giggles spilling into the waterfall rushing down her chin. I wiped the little puddle with my apron and kissed her the way I love best. Forehead, chin, left cheek, right cheek. My cross was light and soft, and it tasted like coconut oil. Okay, let's go, baby. I swung my body behind her wheelchair and leveraged the front two wheels up, pressing my weight down on the handles and tilting her back as far as I could. She threw back her shiny black curls in bright white joy and delight, and I caught them in the dry patches of my palms. 
Hold on tight, baby. The last thing I heard before I started pushing the wheelchair at full speed was a very alarmed Indian woman yelling something in Hindi. I pretended not to hear her, yelling to Kuthmani that the only language we're speaking today is childhood. Every sentence had to begin with an action verb and every answer had to end with a question she agreed, sputtering at me in our daring new dialect and throwing a pointed finger forward. We raced back and forth, back and forth, back and forth up the concrete, flying to the moon and back on her hand-me-down rocket ship. We rode her wheelchair through an auto-body shop when it started to feel like our manual minds were about to break down and treated our imaginations to an oil change. By the time the hot wax dried on our afternoon, her rocket ship had become a sinking submarine, lowering us into the depths of the Indian Ocean. Grimacing through portholes made of recycled rubber tires, we decided that we didn't like the ocean as much as we fancied the moon. The ocean's squishy squids made our tummies feel squidsy squish, but the moon reminded us that somewhere not too far away, there was a place where gravity can't tie a little girl to a chair. So that was an example from, I guess, my time and her time together of using storytelling as an escape, not just um, in the processing. So when I went home and wrote that, but also in the moment. Um, and I would say, if I may be so bold to use myself as an example there, as um, I, would, I would say it can be an example of using storytelling in your day-to-day -day life as a kind of like domestic therapeutic practice, um, using creativity and imagination as a release and an opportunity to escape your circumstance, which I think we all know well from when we were kids, but we kind of let go as we get older. And I think it's a huge opportunity, especially for those our home of us who are homebound right now um, during the pandemic, and especially if we're homebound perhaps with a child or somebody with different abilities, there is a huge opportunity for storytelling in our day-to-day -day life that will provide that escape that we so badly need. And I'll finish this out with one more story. Yeah, for our final story, this is, we're going to just stick with that India theme. And this was written um, while I was staying in Calcutta in a old stone convent was very very cold and I had all of these wonderful roommates from all over the world fellow missionaries and who the only thing we really had in common was the fact that we were there to serve and that we were you know delightfully lost together and that we were all always very very cold at night and uh our only our only great mercy were the seas of blankets that we would cover ourselves in and so this is um how the power of storytelling and imagination kind of helped us to transform that into something beautiful. So here's our final story for the day. Shivering under ceiling fan hurricanes, I dive into my sea of sheets and begin to swim. I tread waves of blue cotton until I'm floating in my soft, dry ocean. Exhausted, I lay on my back and spread my fingers, finally floating into the abyss. And as I listen to my roommate's breath become more shallow, I imagine that they're entering deeper waters too. We float off together. Four dead sea beds separated by six-inch peninsulas of dry linoleum. 
And as my eyes fill with sand and my conscious waves goodbye, I recount our deep-sea conversations. We sink into oceans of conversations, little mermaids splashing each other with questions about what the other's water tastes like, and if humans really do have more fun. We argue about how many seashells are in a sand dollar, but agree unanimously on how many universes are in a barnacle. Drunk on salt water and adventure, we compare the fans on our fins and the fish hook scars around our smiles. We talk about the fishermen's nets we've outsmarted and the siren calls we've regretted, and how we realize too late that singing pirate ships into ruin only darkens our own waters with debris and carnage. We giggle thin bubbles into existence with tall tales about sailors we thought could save and sea witches we believed might save us. And for a quiet moment, we bring high tide to the sandbars under each other's eyes as we recount all of the baubles we almost sacrificed our voices for. We smile at how happy we are to have those voices now. Voices that echo against seaweed dream catchers and saltwater taffy tongues, crashing softly like bedsheet waves. You know, that's probably in my top 10 favorite things I've ever written. I It transports me back to that time and those, those sleepovers we were having um, just instantaneously. And I hope it was able to do the same for you. I think we all know that feeling of those late night conversations in our sleepovers and having those conversations maybe with someone who's had a different experience of life with us and finding those similarities and those differences and giggling all the way through it. Uh, yeah, that is, that is my examples of storytelling and hopefully for you an example of how I have found my life to be more beautiful and more meaningful by approaching it with an attitude of play and imagination and seeing my everyday as an opportunity to tell stories. And I think that as a creative, when we approach each day as, um, you know, that today will be my, my inspiration. Today will be my clay and my paint and my fun new vocab words. Today is going to give me what I need to make tomorrow even more beautiful. And Hopefully, um, some of these stories can get you in that creative mindset and you can go forth and create some beautiful stories of your own by living at the intersection of virtue and adventure and by lengthening that road for other people through your stories. Just always lead with your heart. That's lesson one. Because if you don't, you'll have nothing, baby. Lesson one. And so, as always, we will finish this episode with recommendations. So what have I been watching and what have I been reading? I recently watched Born in China on Disney Plus about all of these sweet, sweet, sweet little baby animals that are born in China. And another, as always, it's family friendly, folks. Watch it with your family. It's beautiful. Couldn't get enough of it. I've watched it a couple times with my roommate now. So really enjoyed that. And reading, man, I guess the more I do these, the more I realize how boring I am. I am reading more Maeve Finchie. I adore that woman. She is the antidote to the quarantine blues. I feel, feel grateful for her. I pray for her all the time. I thank God for Maeve Finchie. And I encourage you to read her work. All right. Have a great day and God bless. This has been Letters from the Least with Claire McCallan. And I will talk to you soon.